Now please turn with me in the Word of God to the book of Matthew. Matthew's Gospel, and we're turning to chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, this is the great Sermon on the Mount. Matthew has particular interest in the Word of God, the Old Testament, and the things which Christ said, uh, which tie into the Old Testament, which expand the Old Testament, which uh, add uh, our understanding of the Old Testament. And so this great sermon and others too, which Matthew takes notice of, uh, is set before us here. Matthew chapter 5, last time we were thinking in verses 17 uh, down to verse 20. We're going to go on from there down to verse 26. So we'll begin at verse 17, just to remind you of the portion that we looked at last Lord's Day. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, Ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Racha, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him. Lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Amen. We thank the Lord for this reading of his word. Let's ask the Lord's help. So I want to think about these words, and there are uh, interesting words, and there's quite a lot of them. So that makes for uh, difficulty in, in uh, going through and, and speaking about them in case we have too much to say and it takes too much time and if we take too much to say then we go away with a confusion rather than a help. So I want to think about this uh, in this way. First of all, it's quite interesting I think to see in verse 21, 22 uh, uh, these words shall be in danger of the judgment and shall be in danger of the council shall be in danger of hell fire it's interesting to say that because uh, we can see here something of a reduced responsibility that the jews had come upon uh, rather than the word of god which said uh, that whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed for in the image of god made he man 
uh, that the judgment would come one way or another, either by the courts of men and by the hand of men, or uh, God would require it that the hand of every killer, of every murderer. The thought now was, well, you're in danger of getting caught. You're in danger of standing before the council. You're in danger of standing uh, before the court of men and therefore in danger of the, uh, the punishment of that sin. A kind of a reduced responsibility. If you remember last Lord's Day, we were showing there how the, the Lord Jesus came not to, to destroy the law, but to fulfill. That is to fill full. Uh, that he was going to uh, give some body to what has been said in the Old Testament and to give a, an understanding that these are not just external things, that when you actually do these things, that's when God's judgment comes. But God doesn't just look upon the outward appearance, he looks upon the heart. And so our attitudes, our hearts, and where they are at is very important. And the Lord is seeking to put across how important it is that we search our own hearts and see what is there and come before him that we might be cleansed. <clears throat> we see there in verse 20, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, the Apostle Paul uh, was a Pharisee and he said, uh, as regarding righteousness, uh, as regarding the law, blameless. So therefore, he considered himself as a Pharisee to be blameless, that he was completely above board and without anything to judge him for. And if that is the standard of the Pharisee, then when Jesus says your righteous, righteousness must exceed that righteousness of the Pharisees, well, we're not just talking about keeping laws. They were good at that. But we are talking about the righteousness of Christ, which exceeds the righteousness of Pharisees. It is perfection. And that is what we need if we are to know the Lord and to enter into the kingdom. So there's a kind of a response of uh, a reduced responsibility here, first of all, that you are in danger of the judgment rather than you will be judged. Uh, the word here uh, means to, or that thou shalt not kill. The word there, kill, is a word which means to murder by malice or to murder by revenge, to uh, get somebody back perhaps a, a an accurate translation would be a non-legal premeditated murder so not just manslaughter where perhaps we've not taken enough care over something and someone dies as a result but an actual malicious um, premeditation to kill someone to take their life there was a, a legal premeditated killing and that was for uh, the blood avenger uh, that he might go and that he might find the person who had committed the crime and could take their life. Uh, something which was um, appealed to, perhaps, by Joab, when you remember how that Joab uh, killed uh, uh, Abner right in the gate of the city of refuge. Uh, and he seemed to appeal to that. I'm not sure that that was his actual reason or his only reason by any means, but nevertheless, that was the appeal that he made. Then there is a kind of a, a laxity here in the fact that it is in danger of the judgment. And we recognize that this reduced responsibility, and that's, that's the way of man, isn't it? We always like to make things, well, a bit more uh, friendly to us. The laws of God, let's make them more friendly. Let's just make them so they're not quite so harsh. 
Uh, let's, let, let, let's ease them off on ourselves. But that's a dangerous thing because God has a perfect righteousness and God demands a perfect righteousness. We cannot ease off on the laws which he got, gives us and say, well, it's not so bad, really, as God says, uh, it, it, it won't be as bad as that. Isn't that exactly what Satan did in the Garden of Eden when he came to Eve and said that you, you can, can you eat of the trees of the, uh, of the garden? And she said, well, we can eat of the trees of the garden, but the one in the midst of the garden, if we eat of that, we might die. And he said, ye shall not surely die. Oh, you might die, but you won't surely die. Very similar kind of construction here that God says, if you kill someone, you will be judged for it. But man says, you will be judged for it if you're caught. You might be judged for it. And so there's this, this easing off, and you might have mitigating circumstances. You know, in this day and age, of course, murder uh, attracts only a, a custodial sentence and not always a, a life sentence of that. People have taken lives of others and they've been out, of, out again back into society uh, after having done so. Uh, we, we make it easier for ourselves. Uh, we call it... Uh, Man calls it humanism, it's being gracious, it's being kind. But the judgment of God remains the same. So there's this kind of a reduced responsibility then, but it's a real responsibility nevertheless. And the Lord Jesus takes up those same words when he says that uh, that you have heard it said uh, by or to them of old time, thou shalt not kill and Whosoever shall kill be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Racha, shall be in danger of the council. And whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. So he is kind of taking up what their, their understanding and he is using a, a, a Jewish categorization. It is reckoned uh, and suggested that the Jews, well, certainly the Jews did have categories for everything and they they split up the laws of God and they they gave uh, uh, their judgments as to what this means and can you do this and can you do that and and is this allowed and is that not allowed and if I do this, I'm not quite breaking the law and we're still, uh, they still work in a similar way today. I think I've told you before of um, that... um, uh, newspaper magnate, magnate that uh, that died, and he was Jewish, and he was being flown back to Jerusalem. Uh, he wasn't allowed to be flown on the Sabbath because a dead body was not allowed to be moved on the Sabbath. So they decided to make it uh, call him cargo, and they shipped him in a crate. And because it was cargo, that was all right. If it had been dead body, it wasn't all right. So getting around the law is a is a. a, a, a technique which is used and here again i think that jesus is making a kind of a satire of of their understandings of anger and contempt and malice there's a subtlety to these things isn't there first of all it tells us in verse 22 that whosoever is angry with his brother there's an anger this is rises up in the hearts and jesus is is really bringing our attention to what is within the heart an anger 
And we can get angry, of course, that may not even show. We can be angry without saying anything. We may have control of our actions. We may have control of even our expression. We might go away afterwards and fume at something that somebody has said or something that something, somebody has done. We may speak about it to other people, but they never knew. They never knew that you were angry with them. It's something which is in the heart. And Jesus says that if you are angry with your brother without a cause, and we saw uh, there in Matthew 18 that there can be a cause, there can be a, a reason uh, for anger, and God was angry, or at least the, the Lord of the servant was angry when after he had let him off, and he didn't let off those who owed him something, he was angry. There was a cause. There was a cause. But here we read that if you are angry without a cause, that is a, a proper cause, not just the something that irritated you. And uh, in modern parlance, got up your nose. So here, the whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Interesting, he uses that word. Because in that first verse, verse 21, it says, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. The same thing. And John takes this up, and perhaps uh, John remembers these words. They are something which has stuck with him. And John, in his epistle, speaks about being angry with your brother. And he says, if someone uh, is angry or is hated his brother, he is a murderer. 1 John 3, verse 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Maybe he takes it a step further there. But also in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 9, he that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. So John takes up this same thought. And we should take it to our hearts too. Our anger is something that needs to be dealt with. Our anger can lead us on to other things. Our, our anger can take us down a dark path. And John makes mention of the darkness which has blinded their eyes. Anger can take us further. And perhaps that is the thought here. That if we are angry, we're in danger of the judgment. But... It, whosoever shall say to his brother, Rakar, shall be in danger of the council. Rakar is, a, uh, is a, an Aramaic word. So uh, Matthew, as we have said on many occasions, uh, was Jewish, uh, may well have written this uh, gospel in Hebrew in the first place, um, and then it be translated to Greek. He may have written it in Greek, but still, because he was Hebrew, he would think in Hebraic terms, and uh, he uses Hebrew words on a number of occasions. So this word rakah means empty-headed. We might say you're a blockhead or you're a numbskull. Uh, so it's that kind of a term. Somebody who's got nothing going on in there. Someone has, uh, has coined the phrase, um, the wheel's still turning, but the hamster's left the cage. So there's the thought that someone is just 
stupid. They've got nothing going on uh, above their neck. Whosoever shall say to his brother, numbskull, shall be in danger of the council. And the council here is uh, a kind of a local court. Uh, So we would call it maybe a magistrate's court. And then he goes on and says, but he uh, that saith to his brother, saith that whosoever shall say, thou fool, thou fool, thou graceless one, thou apostate, thou who art uh, lost, thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire or the fires of Gehenna. Gehenna was the, uh, the place on the south of Jerusalem where the refuse was burnt. It was a place originally the valley of the son of Hinnom where they passed their children through the fire to Molech. It became a place which was um, uh, uh, horrific, a place where the refuse was burnt, a place where the murderers were cast, a place uh, where, uh, where the, those who were to be burned were burned, uh, and it became a kind of a, a picture of hell as paradise, as the Garden of Eden is a picture of heaven. So the idea is a place of, of refuse, a place where that which is unclean is cast out and burned. And perhaps Jesus here is not necessarily speaking about hell itself, but perhaps speaking about the valley of Hinnom. He is saying concerning these judgments, you're in danger of all these things. You're in danger. And because they can lead on one thing to another. To your destruction. There's a subtlety here then, and we recognize that those things can arise in our hearts very easy. We can have a contempt for people after our anger, we can have a malice toward them, a malicious thought toward our brother, our brother being not necessarily a Christian brother or a Christian sister, but a brother, any person in the world. Jesus, of course, speaks about the, uh, the Good Samaritan and how that even though he was a Samaritan and uh, not, of, not a Jew, nevertheless, uh, he had that compassion. So there's a solemnity here also, a solemnity in our words because the anger is moved on to words and the words are, first of all, this raka and then thou fool. It's interesting that James says in chapter 3 and verse 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell, the fire of hell. I've said before in my consideration of this when I was looking at James some, some years ago now that... The fire of hell is, a, is a, an extreme term, really. The fires of Gehenna. The tongue is set on the fires of Gehenna. And it, just consider, I, I thought this to myself, remembering the rich man and Lazarus, how the rich man was in hell, and he lifted up his eyes, and he saw Abraham, and he asked that Abraham might send Lazarus. Uh, uh, um, Lazarus? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. <coughs> lost it there and they sent Lazarus to dip his tongue in water and cool his tongue uh, tip his finger in water and cool his tongue 
Why? Because his tongue was on the fires of hell. His tongue was on fire. And my thought just processes carried on. And I thought, I wonder, in hell, where the condemnation comes from. Will it not come from ourselves? Will it not be ourselves saying to ourselves, being angry with ourselves? Will we not call ourselves Racha? Will we not call ourselves the fool, the graceless one? Will we not recall the sins which we have committed and recite them to ourselves? Why did I do that? We think, uh, and the world seeks to put across a picture of the devil poking you with a hot stick or a, or a hot iron. Uh, this the devil won't be the one who is condemning us in hell. We will condemn ourselves in hell. And we will remember every sin, every rejection of the gospel, every word that we have spoken. And all of those things will come back unless the Lord cleanses us. Our own words, our own lips will be against us. Our tongues will be on fire from reciting our sin. We will confess and we will be angry. The Bible talks about the be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the gnashing of teeth is in anger. That's, that's what the gnashing of teeth is. Remember when Stephen uh, testified before the Sanhedrin and it says and they, they gnashed on him with their teeth. They were angry. They stoned him to death. And the gnashing of teeth is anger. Anger at ourselves. Anger even perhaps at God. But certainly anger at ourselves, at our folly. Unless we are cleansed by the blood of Christ. There's a great solemnity here. So what is it that we are called upon to do? Well, to make sure that these things are not so. That we make sure that these things are cleared up. There is a responsible uh, recourse here. In Micah chapter 6 and verse 6, these words we read, 6 to 8 in fact, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. What will I do? Will I bring burnt offerings? Will I come and, and give things to God? Jesus says, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall he give in exchange for his soul? What will he have that is worth your soul? So there is a responsible recourse. There is a relationship which comes before the ritual. And this is where Jesus continues here in verse 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar. Note there's a a change of person. In verse 21 and verse 22, he says, ye have heard. That's plural. And verse 22, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry. That's plural. So he's speaking to everyone. But then he changes to the singular, the first person, and he is forcing this home to you or thou as an individual. To thee. Be right one, wouldn't it? To, to thee as an individual. Now, preachers do this sometimes. Uh, and uh, 
the, the Lord, the Spirit of God certainly does it. And he applies things directly to you as an individual. And Jesus here does exactly that. So he switches from speaking about these things in the third person, speaking to them as a second person, and now he's speaking in the first person, and he is saying, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, he could have been pointing to someone in the crowd. I'm not sure that he was, but he could have been. He could have pointed to you, to you, to you, to you, to me, and said, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. So he's speaking now to the individual. And he's saying this, this is specific. This is you. This is you and you and you and you and you. To whomsoever the Spirit of God will apply these things. Don't just come and say, well, Lord, I'm sorry that I was angry today, but go and make those things right. And it's interesting again, because there is a, another change which, which occurs here. First of all, Jesus is speaking about those who might do these things. He is speaking in the third person. That's always nice and easy for us, because then we can sort of shift it away from us and say, well, those people who do those things, they're, they're like that. Now, he is not speaking anymore about those people who do those things, but he's speaking to us directly. But also, he is saying, in these ones, they are saying something and they are in danger. But now he suddenly shifts and he says, but you could be the cause that they're saying these things. If someone has something against you, so he shifted it around the other way. Now he's saying uh, not just that if you say those things, you are in danger, but now he's shifted it around the other way and he's saying if somebody else is saying those things about you, you need to go and sort that out. And we read together from Matthew 18, didn't we? Uh, how uh, that if uh, thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. And if the fault is with us, then go and confess it and apologize. Let's keep a, a harmony. Let's keep a peace. There are times when accusations may come, where somebody may say that they are offended at something that we have said, but they don't actually tell us what it was. And we spend the rest of our lives wondering, what am I? I have no idea what I said. I can't think of anything that I said which would have been offensive. I know cases of that. Yeah, and it just leaves a bitter taste with, with no resolution. And so there is this relationship which is very important. We need to take account of ourselves. And the Lord Jesus is saying, take account of yourself. It's you. Don't look at someone else. Think about yourself. What do you, do you get angry? Do you call people blockheads? Do you uh, call people fools? Do you discount people as being graceless? And when you come to the altar, is it you that's causing the problem? Think about these things. Don't just come before me and, and say, well, I'm offering all those good things, but, well, I know I've got my faults, but never worry about them. No, sort those things out too. Their relationship is very impossible. A very, very important, rather. 
In Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 we read, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And again, you see the apostle is saying the same thing. You can't deal with what other people think. You can't change what they're thinking. You can't live their lives for them. But you can live your own life. And so as much as lieth in you, you live at peace with all men. And if they continue and, uh, and refuse to be at peace with you, well, you've done what you could. You've done what you could. There needs to be a reconciliation. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, anything against thee. Those things need to be sorted out. One of the blessings of the Lord's table that we will take later on, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. It is a time when we are to examine ourselves to see how we are walking both with the Lord and with our brothers and sisters. There is therefore this reversal of responsibility. And then the last part of this, we see that the Lord Jesus says, Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him. Lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. And again, I think that there is a connection here. Uh, Note these words over again, verse 22, Whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Uh, Whosoever shall say rucker shall be in danger of the council. Whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire and here agree with thine adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him lest at any time you are in danger that the adversary deliver thee to the judge. And you see once that courts of justice once you're before the council once they have made their condemnation you're given over to the officer and you're put into your prison you are now four times removed The person that you should have uh, reconciled to has perhaps uh, taken heed of the counsel of the Apostle Paul once again in Romans chapter 12. In verse 19, the Apostle says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Maybe they brought that thing to the Lord, and the Lord's in the Lord's hands now. And what of those people who we hear of sometimes who are wrapped with guilt through their lives because there was something they should have said to a loved one, and that loved one is now dead, and they can't say it anymore. They can't apologize. They can't be reconciled. They have now gone, and that stays with them for the rest of their lives. We don't have time in this world just to say, well, um, I don't care. The Lord says, do it quickly. Do it now, in other words. Those who have somewhat against you, be reconciled to them. Be reconciled to them quickly. It's interesting, again, that the Lord Jesus uh, quite forcefully says, if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. 
Again, Mark eleven twenty five. When ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive your, you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. These are powerful words. And, and dangerous words. Words which we need to take account of. That we also might be gracious. Luke 17, 3, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Let's have such a gracious attitude. The gracious attitude which the Lord has toward us. We depend upon it, don't we? When we come before the Lord and we confess our sins, and the Lord says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's emulate the Lord. Let's seek to be conformed to the image of his Son and to have that attitude of forgiveness and of reconciliation. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us today. And as we sing our last hymn, it really takes up that theme. Uh, It is the hymn which begins, Hark, the song of jubilee, loud as mighty thunders roar, or the fullness of the sea when it breaks upon the shore. Hallelujah for the Lord, God omnipotent shall reign. Hallelujah, let the word sound from city, hill, and plain. What is the jubilee? Well, the jubilee was when the, uh, the 50 years came up and the people were released from their bondages. They were returned to their inheritances. And the bondage of those days was uh, very often, uh, perhaps always, in, in the situation that we read from Matthew 18, where someone owed a great debt, couldn't pay it, was sold into bondage so that they could pay off the debt. It wasn't a kind of uh, a slavery that we hear of today and is equated with slavery today, of people taken away from their countries and forced to work for nothing. But it was a part of the legal situation in those days. The day of Jubilee, all the debts were forgiven. And we look forward to that glorious day of Jesus Christ when all things whatsoever have been done by those who know and love the Lord will be seen to have been forgiven.